tonight, we're starting a new series on Wednesday nights. It's a series that I, it's something that's been on my mind and heart for years in different ways. And, um, you know, it's kind of like this. I feel like um, we all have hard times, don't we? And our response to those hard times differ. And you've seen this happen where maybe, maybe somebody was raised up in the same family, same environment, same parents, same parenting, same everything, and yet they have two different responses to hard times. You wonder, how does it happen? Some people give up. Some people grow stronger. Some people despair. Some people find hope. Some people run from God. Some people run to God. I want to talk about that with us for a minute. What I find is that it all comes down to perspective, doesn't it? It all comes down to perspective. I mean, how you see things, how you see things. What, what I would love is that for us as Christians for, from Crown Point, that our perspective would be as, as biblical and God-centered as possible so that no matter what happens, our response to whatever comes would be the right response. First, first I want to start with this. I think this is a good place to start. The fact is we all have problems, don't we? All of us. Every single person. No one is immune from problems. So often we look at people's lives and we, we make a judgment based on maybe the way they look or the way they carry themselves or facial expression, how they dress. And you may make an assumption that they don't have the same problems you have. Or maybe their problems are less than yours or different than yours. We do that. That's normal human nature. And we do it in a split second. And there's times where you make a judgment about that and you think you know. But the truth is, a lot of these problems we have are very personal, aren't they? And they're difficult to measure. It's difficult to compare. But we do compare. That's how we're... Everybody's like that. All humans are like that. We tend to compare. We tend to compare the things that are the same. And then some of us are wired to compare things that are different. We just, we're wired that way. We're human beings. We all have that in common. And one thing I think is very important to know is that we all have problems, but these are all very personal. The fact is, some of us, our problems are more mental. Some of them are maybe your mind. You just, you struggle with attitude. Maybe some of them are physical. Maybe they're social. Maybe they're family related. Whatever they are, they're very personal and they're personal to you. It's important to realize that different people's problems are different. I know one thing that we all as humans tend to do is we tend to judge our problems different than we judge other problems, other people's problems. Pastor puts it this way, and I love it. He says, you know, we judge ourselves on our motives, then we judge other people on our actions. We do the same thing with our problems because we automatically assume that it's worse for them or worse for us and it's easier for them. And the truth is, we all have different problems. We all struggle with different things. Maybe your problems are silly things like your computer doesn't work. <laughs> or maybe you're technically challenged. Now, of course, these are silly, and I don't mean to minimize problems because some problems are very serious. I saw this picture, and I just had a laugh. <clears throat> of course, that's not a real problem. I mean, who cares? You know, they're an astronaut. Deal with it. Uh, I saw this, and I thought this was hilarious. My imaginary friend thinks I have mental problems. <clears throat> But the truth is, there are mental problems, aren't there? There are real problems. And maybe you have a loved one like I do who struggles with one of these. And it's serious. And the closer you get, the more frustrated you get. I mean, I've actually met with a psychiatrist for this one family member. And after the meeting, I walked out of there thinking, he has no idea. Here's this guy who is a doctor, brilliant man, and he has no idea how to help my family member. None. And we're left with a problem. And this problem is very personal and it affects everybody in the family. It's real. 
My grandmother developed Alzheimer's, my mom's mom. And, um, you know, at first, we were dealing with it really well. And then I remember we were there. I think Nicole was there this time, too. We were there. And my grandma started talking to one of my uncles as if he was her husband, my grandfather, who had passed away many, many years ago. Then it's, at first it started, it was kind of comical. Then it started to get awkward. Then she got frustrated. Then she told my parents that they, she was really unhappy with them because they, were, they thought that they were going to share a room and that wasn't okay with her until they were married. And, you know, my mom is saying, Mom, th- here's our son, Dennis. You were just talking to Dennis. You knew him, you know, and he's in his 30s. We've been married, you know, over 30 years. This is, this is years ago. And um, then, then it got very sad. It's a real problem. It's a problem. Maybe your problems are with money. Financial hard times, you know, a lot of us experience these and they come and go. Maybe you've never struggled with one of these and for you yet, you know, we haven't called up one of your problems yet and so it's hard for you to relate to what other people are struggling with. But for some people, these are really life-controlling problems that lead them into horrible decisions and horrible responses. For some people, you know, family problems get, get huge and end in divorce or broken relationships or maybe it's turning to life-controlling substances, alcohol, drugs, whatever. Maybe it's a computer addiction or porn or something that they can't draw themselves away from or, you know, health problems. We mentioned mental problems, but there's some health problems that are overwhelming. Maybe the problem is with God. And it's a problem with doubt that they can't shake. And there's just something about, about their relationship with God or what they thought God would do that just, they're frustrated And they can't get past this problem they have with faith. Maybe it's doubt that has crept deep into their heart because of something that, maybe an unfilled expectation. And maybe they come to church all the time, but it's still there and it's a problem and it keeps them from growing in Christ. Maybe it's you. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh, not me, I would never doubt God. I mean, I'm a Christian and I believe. And you know what? We can say all those things, but the truth is, We all have these different problems and these different problems are different. They all have different consequences. Some of them more severe. Some of them finger their way out into family and other relationships. Some of them we can keep to ourselves for a long time. Some of the problems have different sources. I mean, the truth is some of the sources are us, right? Those are hard to deal with, aren't they? When you have to turn inside and look at a mirror and say, yeah, you're in this hole and it's your fault. I mean, we often want to just blame it on somebody else. It'd be so much easier if we could blame all these problems on somebody else. But the truth is, they're, they're, we can't do that. Some problems, fair, in a fair way, though, do come because of the result of somebody else. And that can be especially frustrating because you didn't bring it on yourself. You know, maybe as a child, you've experienced something that was horrendous. And sometimes we blame it on God. The truth is, for all of these things, we're going to need perspective, right? What's interesting about perspective is when it seems like the more perspective you have, then the more clearly you can see. You notice that? Let me, let's, let's take a look. And I know I'm getting serious, but then we're going to be unserious for a minute again. But I really want you to understand what I'm talking about when I say perspective. Because perspective is seeing something from a, a different point of view. And when you know more about life and more about the world, you can see things differently. So just to give you an example, you remember this old story about the blind men who walked up you know, to the elephant 
And they're all on different sides of the elephant. So from different perspectives, they see the elephant different. You know, one man says it's a spear, another a fan, another a snake, another a tree. Some say it's a wall, it's a rope, but we know it's an elephant, but they can't see that. All they see is what's right in front of them. That's perspective. Another way to look at perspective is this. How many feet, how many legs does this elephant have? I mean, you know an elephant has four legs, but the more you look at the picture, there's as many as, is it eight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I didn't say feet, I said legs. Okay. Do you see a young woman or an older woman? Yes. I mean, because if I do this, if I block off some of these things, oh, let me go back. Do you see the younger woman then? How many saw the younger woman to begin with? How many saw the older woman first? Now do you, let me see, now do you see the older woman? It's perspective. Okay, let's do this. Do you see a what do you see? Let me just ask you. How many see a duck? How many see the rabbit first? How many see the duck? Okay. So if I, if I do this, <laughs> if I do this, it's easier to see the rabbit. And then if I do that, it's a little easier to see the duck. Again, it's perspective. Um, do you see the frog and then a horse? Now, perspective, again, you would look at this and you see a frog and a horse, but what it really is is two horses. So if I just, all I did was turn that picture sideways and it's actually two horses. Or this, I mean, is she really just a dwarf? No, actually, she's, it's just kind of a trick perspective of a picture. It's all perspective. And our lives are like this, and those are silly examples, but... The truth is we all have these blind spots and usually our blind spots are things that we really hold close to us. And sometimes it's difficult to hear about these things, especially sometimes from someone close to us. Have any of you experienced this? Maybe your own child doesn't want to hear correction from you or insight, or you're maybe your husband or your wife or even a good friend. And as you're talking to them, you're telling them in love, but they don't want to hear it from you. Or wait a minute, you don't want to hear it from... Okay. Or maybe it's someone you look at it and they're trying to tell you something and you think, you have no right to talk to me that way. You're not close enough to me to see my, show me my blind spots. Maybe you're sitting here and thinking, I don't have any. Because <laughs> you're not ready. Because there's times, it seems like in our lives, where we get to a point where we're more willing or more open to grow. Have you noticed that? It's as if sometimes we're just barreling through life and everything's great and then we'll run into a problem or a hard time, or something that, that shakes us up and shatters your world, and you think, I didn't see that coming. thought I was past that. I thought I was over that. didn't think that would bother me. The truth is that time and experience do help us with these things, but none of us are immune. I do believe this, though. Our attitude toward these things opens us up to be ready to grow in our relationship with God and become the people that he intended for us to be, and sometimes... Uh, our attitude can be really hurtful. <clears throat> Another thing that I find is that we can be really blind to other people's hard times. You notice that? You may be struggling and it's okay for you to struggle, but then when you see a struggle in somebody else, you're a little impatient with them. <laughs> it's because we're different. We travel a different road. We have different problems, different solutions, different personalities. Some people roll with certain things easier than others different experiences. Now, before we get a little 
too far into this, I would like us to do a, just a little exercise. Is that okay? I know some of you are saying, I'm not in school, done with school. But I do want you to do an exercise. Here's what I did. I might need some people to help me. Can you help me, Frank? Let me grab a few people real quick. I have, um, I have some sheets of paper, and then I also have some pens. I actually, I'm going to need a lot of help to pass these out. If you need a pen, a brother here has some pens. I'm going to give you half, and then I'm going to do the front half. Now, you, you may need to move if you don't feel like you can be right on your paper next to somebody that you're sitting by. <laughs> Here's what I'd like you to do at the top of your page. If you could write, do you want one? Okay. Um, you could write my personal trials. Yeah, these are not Olympic trials. Thank you for clarifying that. Thank you. You're welcome. And what we're going to do is, once you get that down, just your personal trials up there. Now, this is personal, and obviously it's for you. If, if you don't want to do this, I mean, that's fine. What I'd like you to do is I just want you to list the most difficult experiences that you've ever experienced, whatever those are. If you wouldn't mind, just write, write them down. This is not for me. I'm never going to see this. This is just for you. Just write them down. Now, obviously, every single person's paper is going to be different because we've all experienced different things. And what you may write down is the most difficult. That may be like number three on somebody's list or 10 or not even to make their list. But I'm, more, I'm talking about you. This is you and God. I'm just wondering. I'm not, I am wondering, but I'm not going to look. I just want you to write down your most difficult circumstances that you've ever experienced. Go back as far as you want. It may happen that as you write some things that maybe some other things pop into your mind, maybe not. Thank you so much for your help, guys. <laughs> you may be thinking of things like maybe loss of a loved one or a job or a natural disaster, a physical infirmity, maybe something that happened to you, maybe a rejection or abuse or some injustice or, or, justice or persecution or... There's so many areas that could be listed there. Maybe a time when you felt abandoned, either by a person or maybe God. Thank you. Your, your difficult circumstance may be even involving the bad choices of somebody else, whatever that is. Now, you may be still writing, and, but as you're writing those things down, what I'd like you to do, we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. As I was thinking of personal trials and things that have gone wrong, I was reminded of, um, 
Have you guys seen that footprints picture? Remember that poem? I didn't bother printing out the poem. I figured you've heard it, but basically the story is this, that this person is praying and talking to Jesus about the worst times in their life and he's showing them back through their life and they see the footprints and then there's a place where there's only one set of footprints and the person says to the Lord, well, when I was going through the worst times of my life, where were you? And Jesus says, well, that's when I was carrying you. And someone sent me this cartoon, kind of the same thing. My child, I never left you. Those, those places with one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And then the next frame says, and that long groove over there, that's when I dragged you for a while. <laughs> uh, we all have hard times. We all have problems. Now you wrote down some of your individual problems. What I'd like you to do is just kind of just set that aside. Maybe put it in your Bible, fold it up for a minute. Because the truth is we all need perspective. We all have problems. We all need perspective on those problems. Just a little peek into the ret later today, but just you writing them down is an exercise in perspective. But here's the thing I really wanted to deal with tonight. The truth is that hard times can lead to doubt. Real doubt. God is not afraid of doubt. He's not threatened by it. None of that bothers him at all. But doubt can be a scary thing. Fact is, we all doubt sometimes. The fact is that um, oftentimes we judge based on our circumstances. So we judge people and start to doubt them. We doubt ourselves. But the scary thing is when we start to doubt God. Now, like I said, that doesn't threaten him. But the truth is, he wants, he wants you to not doubt him. That's what he wants. And you may be sitting here and think, well, that's not me. I would never do that. I'm above that. I'm more of a Christian than that. Been with God longer than that. And I'm sure that's true. But you're not better than John the Baptist. Is anybody else cold in here? Do you feel like the air conditioner's on? <laughs> okay, I don't understand that. If there's, is there anybody who knows how to work the thermostat and maybe fix that? Because that's just bizarre. Thank you, Jason. Um, can we take a look at John the Baptist for a minute? And when I say that you're not better than John the Baptist, I mean that. And here's what I mean by that. Think about John the Baptist's life. He, he actually had a lot of reasons not to doubt. Maybe like you... Maybe not, but, but his life was pretty supernatural. You remember the story? I mean, you do, right? Remember the deal with Zachariah and Elizabeth, his mom and dad? Remember? And, and he's serving the Lord, and God speaks to him and says, you're going to have a child. And he says, um, too old for that. My wife's too old for that. And because of that, he was, he was made to be mute. Remember? Okay. Do you realize John the Baptist grew up knowing the story, right? Anybody else have a story like that? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I've heard stories about miracle babies and people who prayed for a baby and had a baby or weren't supposed to have babies and then they have a baby. That wasn't my life. But I know people like that. There's a guy I know at Sheffield. He's now at CBC. And his entire life, all the stuff he went through, every once in a while, someone would remind him of that. And they say, Jake, you know you're a miracle baby. And he would just sometimes just hang his head like, I've heard that all my life. 
But John the Baptist was one of those babies, right? And you remember that was Mary's cousin? And then let's just read this for real, real quickly. Luke chapter one, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, Mary comes to see her, and Elizabeth is six months pregnant, it says right in the verses right before this, uh, when, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That was John the Baptist. Do you have any idea how many times you heard that story? Your cousin Jesus? Yeah, when, he, when his mama came. Are you kidding me? He grew up, he probably got sick of hearing that story. But he knew that that, that happened and he was an infant baby when that happened. Then fast forward, John the Baptist is baptizing in the River Jordan. Remember this? He's baptizing in the River Jordan. And the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. John knew who Jesus was. He grew up knowing something was going to happen with this cousin of his. He knew it, right? John further, he testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who I will baptize, or who baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. I mean, John saw miracles. You get this, right? Now, some of you have seen miracles. And maybe some of you are at a point in your life where you're saying, you know, if I ever saw a miracle like that, I would never doubt. Maybe some of you are saying, I've seen that kind of stuff, but I'm still in doubt right now. And here's what happens to John. He doubted. He doubted in a huge way. In fact, what happens is really, was really, it's really a sad story. And if you know the story, what happens is he is imprisoned. He's imprisoned for, for criticizing. He was criticizing Herod, who was, who was a local governor placed there by Rome. And because he was sleeping with his sister, somebody, I mean, it was a weird ancestral relationship. John publicly criticized that, so he was put in prison for that. And while he is in prison, he starts to doubt, and he knows his death is imminent. And if you know the story, he ends up dying in a, in a horribly wasteful way. What ends up happening is this daughter of the woman he take, this Herod had taken as a wife dances in a, in a lustful way in front of Herod. I mean, it's, it's a gross story in front of Herod and his party guests. And he says to her, your dance has been so pleasing. I'll give you whatever you ask. She goes and asks his mom, what should I ask for? And the mom is angry still at John the Baptist. So she says, I want his head on a platter. That's where that phrase comes from. So literally the child goes to her stepfather and says, I want John's head on a platter. That's how John the Baptist died. But before that happens, John starts to doubt. And he sends two of his disciples to Jesus and he tells them to ask Jesus, ask him, are you the one or should I wait for another? Maybe some of you are at that point where something has happened. Because what happened to John? Think about it for a minute. John knew the scriptures. And he had seen miracles, and he knew who Jesus was. And he had testified that Jesus was the one. But at some point, he started to doubt. I I think I know what happened. I really do. I think I know what happened because it's something that happens to us. 
What had happened was he had had this huge meteoric rise in ministry. All these people were coming to be baptized. Things were happening. And what he was prophesying is that Jesus was the Messiah. What did he think the Messiah was going to do? I mean, he, he, like most people at the time, thought the Messiah was going to set up rule for the Jews and throw off this horrible Roman empire that was controlling the Jews and forcing them to, to be servants to them and on and on and on. Basically, what was happening was he had unfulfilled expectations, just like you. Things that he thought God was going to do, God wasn't doing, and he didn't see it happening. And the way he looked at it is, how can this be? I'm sitting here in prison, and I'm about to be killed, and it's unjust, and it's unfair. And the prayers that he was praying weren't being answered. And what he thought Jesus should be doing, Jesus wasn't doing. And he wasn't doing it in the right time. And he wasn't doing it in the right way. And we have the same thing. Seriously, how many times have you prayed for something and it's not happening and you're trying out to God and you're saying, God, why not? You want people to be healed, right? God, you want them to be saved, right? God, I'm praying prayers. I know you want to answer. Why don't you answer them? God, it's not fair. It's not right. I've served you all these years. I've done everything you've asked me to do. God, why isn't my relationship working out? God, what is going wrong? I've raised my kids better than this, different than this. God, God, I've been faithful to you. I've given in my tithes, my finances. God, you have unfulfilled expectations. I'm not trying to be insulting, but none of us are any better than John the Baptist. I don't care who you are. I've seen pastors in the ministry for a long time, just like John the Baptist, who've preached great sermons and seen multitudes come forward and people healed at their hand start to doubt because of unfulfilled expectations. He asks, are you the one? And maybe you haven't asked it like this and you don't have disciples to send to Jesus, but deep in your heart, there starts to grow a seed of doubt and you wonder, God, is this real? Is it, is it me? What have I done wrong? What's going on? I just, I'm not feeling, I, I, I pray and I don't feel like my prayers go past the ceiling and I, I go and I worship and I see other people reaching God and touching him and I'm not feeling it. God, I, I read this one Christian writer talked about the dark night of the soul. Maybe you've heard that, called that before. You feel like you're doing everything right, but nothing is working. Be careful not to judge too quickly and say that that would never happen to you. But I want to at least show you what Jesus did for John. This is what he did. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Notice he didn't say here, I'm about to overthrow Rome. Notice he didn't say here, sit tight, John. I've got my crew. We're armed and we're going to come break you out. He didn't say that, did he? You know what he did do, though? He was reminding John maybe of that passage in Isaiah. Remember when he stood up in the, in the synagogue and read and said, he, what he was reading that day was a messianic prophecy. 
In that prophecy, it proclaimed the fact that the Messiah wasn't just about military conquest, but the Messiah was here to redeem people, lost people. Basically, what Jesus said is, what do you see happening here, John? You see a fulfillment of prophecy right here in front of your eyes. So you want a doubt killer? Here's what it is. Look with your spiritual eyes past your present physical circumstances. What Jesus was doing is pointing John to spiritual realities away from the physical realities that John was living in. Now, is that saying don't, don't act like the world is real and what you're living in is real? No, it's not saying that. I mean, no, Jesus never asks us to be, you know, pie in the sky, not realistic, none of that. But what he was saying is, I am the one, John. It may not work out exactly as you expected, but I am the one. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what is happening. What he was saying is, he was reminding John of God's promises and that Jesus was the fulfillment of those promises. You know what you need to do? If you're slipping into that doubt, you need to remind yourself and speak some truth to your doubt. (laughs) John was still in prison. John still lost lost his life. He did. That really happened. And I'm not saying that problems vanish when we do this. What I'm saying is that, that God is our companion in those problems. I, I wanted to share some of my favorite promises with you real quick. And I want to encourage you to speak these truths to power. Do you know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? Can you quote that with me? What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Do you hear that? Do you believe that tonight? In the middle of your doubt? In the middle of your hard times? Can you believe that? That he actually has a plan for you that is good? What does Romans 8, 28 say? All things work together for, for good to them that love God and are called according to their purpose or his purpose. So God could take your hard time and turn it into a beautiful thing? Yes, yes, he can. That's what he can, and that's what he does. John 10.10 may be one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. You know what this says. It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what has Jesus done? What has he done? Say it. He's come to give us life and life more abundantly. That's what our God does. You know what I'd like to hear? I'd like you guys, I'd like to hear you guys saying these promises like you believe them. <laughs> Do you know what Psalm 17.8 says? This may not be one of your favorites, so you don't know what it says. Does anybody know? Anybody quick on your phone? (laughs) This says that you're the apple of his eye. You are the apple of God's eye. You are his special chosen one. He looks at you that way. Yes, you're in a hard time. Yes, it looks hopeless. But he is the one who cares about you immensely. You're the apple of his eye. You're special to him special to him. How about Philippians 1.6? Do you know this? Pastor quoted it Sunday, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will finish it. He's not done with you. The hard time that you're in right now is not the end. Can I tell you a secret? You may not want to hear this. It won't be the last hard time either. It's kind of one of those things. Are you in a hard time? Did you come, just come out of one? Or are you in one or are you heading to one? You know what? That's how life is. The sooner you realize that, the better perspective you will have. 
How about one Psalm 139? I couldn't pick a verse out of this because, exactly, Carol, the whole thing is good. I like it when the Carols comment over here because I just have to say, that's right, Carol, in that direction. What does it say? You tell me. What about this chapter is something that you hold on to? How about the fact that no matter where I go, he is there? I can't go to the darkness, to the light, the far side. No matter where you are, he is there. I am fearfully. He made me the way he wanted me to be made. Not only that, I love this. He created me in my mother's womb and had every day planned out for me. For you. You matter like that to him. That's who he is. That's who you are to him. Do you know this psalm? This is my favorite verse in the psalm. 23rd Psalm, you all know it, right? Lord's the, my shepherd and all that. All that's great. But this is my favorite verse. You know why? Because it says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or one version says, through the darkest place, when I walk through a hard time, guess what? His rod and staff, they comfort me. He's there with me. A rod and a staff, I mean, those are, those are shepherd's tools for guiding sheep, for correcting sheep. That's what I need. And that's what he's there for me when my heart is time. And I don't even know he's there and he's there. This is my favorite verse. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. You know what this says? Don't worry about anything. Or King James, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God. And then what happens? Then the peace of God, King James, which passes understanding, but in newer versions it says, which doesn't make sense. Peace that doesn't make sense, that's incomprehensible. Peace that shouldn't be there then will come into your heart and mind. And guess what he does? Then he will guard both your heart and your mind. And then he says, instead of dwelling on that hard time and those things that are weighing up on you, instead, focus on these good things. Anybody quote verse 8 for me? Honorable, true, good, trustworthy, good report. Those are the things to focus on, right? Anybody, do you have a verse that's not up here? No, let me ask it different. What are the verses you have that aren't up here? Anybody? You don't have to quote it perfect or anything. Yeah, Charlotte. Nothing can separate me from God. Amen. That's awesome. Al? You have to speak up just a little bit. Matthew eleven twenty eight. What does that say? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anybody else? What do you have? Okay, Psalm 103. I know it was a carol. Heals all our disease and forgives all, all of our sins. Shirley, did you have one? It's 5.8, I think. First Peter 5.8, I cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Anybody? I thought I saw a hand. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's in Isaiah. Yes. Did you all hear that? I'm the God that holds your right hand. Say the rest of it again. I, I, 
do not be afraid. I will help you. What else? What other one do you have? Yes, Carol. Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in well-doing, because if you faint not, you will reap. What else? What else? Come on, I know you have these. We need to hear these from you, because what works for you may be something I'm going to hold on to. I did see some people even writing down some of these verses. Yes, Dave. Psalm 51.10. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Anybody else? Amen. Psalm 91. He who lays in the shadow of the Almighty shall find rest. Amen. Shirley, do you have another one real quick? God is love. That's right. That's awesome. Awesome. Now, those are promises. Here's, I want to just give you a next step. I'm really cold. Is anybody else cold? I never get cold. Oh, my gosh. Uh, first thing is this. I apologize, Mary. Do you think this is revenge? Okay, well, I just changed my attitude. I love it. It feels good. Uh, here's your next step. I believe this is for somebody in here. I think one of the most important things that we need to do as Christians, especially if you're a mature Christian, you need to admit doubt. If you're struggling with this, sometimes those are things you need to just speak it out loud. Now, there's a certain, this is not a biblicalist thing. I'm just saying that there's a certain power when we hide things or we stuff them down, or we don't be honest, or we're not honest about what's happening. If you're struggling, speak it out to him. I think another important thing for you to do would be to write out your struggle. What is it you're struggling with? If you have a question, a doubt, write it out. I think it's important also to talk to somebody. There are people who love you, who would love to talk to you. Just, they want to listen and hear what it is you're struggling with. The mentorship ministry I mentioned, this is for you. We want you to work with each other, help each other. Join a life group. This, this is an important, huge thing as a Christian to be in relationship with other Christians. Not, I love coming to church and seeing people. I love speaking to people. What I want to do, though, is I want to know you. And you can't really do that outside of these groups. Not really. If, if you're free and you want to come, you could come to Heart to Heart I would encourage you to do that. Um, I know this, I'm not trying to be insulting, but read the Bible. Read it. Read it. It's a spiritual, powerful book. It is. It is. And I don't, I don't mean this in a spooky, weird way, but it is. You know, you see these movies and they're like looking for some book that's got magic in it or whatever. I always think about that. Why don't we ever see that like in the the Bible portrayed that way. I mean, in a real authentic way, because that's life is there. These are the very words of God to you. These are his words. Spend time there. For some of you, you need to get over a forgiveness and repentance issue. Have you ever thought about fasting and really putting it to God and seeking him about it? I wasn't even going to put this in this list, but a friend of mine across the country I went to college with is in the middle of a fast and he, he I, I don't even know what it's for, but every once in a while he'll put something on his Twitter about what God is showing him in it. And it just hit me. Wow. Are you struggling? Reach out to him. 
How about volunteer in a ministry and focus off your problem onto helping somebody? A personal retreat. And this last one is for us tonight. Would you shut your eyes for a second? Pastor Nick, I don't know if you're warm enough to finger a guitar, but... I was leading worship once at the beach, and it just got so cold, and I was like, I'm having a problem moving my fingers, but... I want you to shut your eyes for a moment. If you can reach that paper you wrote on a minute ago, what I'd like you to do is take that. I want us to spend just a moment, and I want this to start now. When I was saying Philippians 4 was my favorite, there's a reason for that. Because that verse, those verses are packed with power. They are literally packed with power. Power to free you. Power to heal you. Some of the things you wrote down there are well in your past. And they are victories that you can look at and they give you perspective on your present troubles. Some of those things that you wrote down there could be incredible perspective for other people who are struggling with something. And if they could only see your list, they would realize that their problems are so insignificant in comparison. But this tonight is about you, not about them. Here's what I would like us to do. As you look at that list and consider it for a minute, I just want you to look down it. And I want you to think about for a minute, what, in looking at those things on that list, what, what does that make you feel? Do you feel... Do you remember maybe when God was there and he was carrying you or dragging you, whatever? Do you maybe look at some of them and say, not through with this one, God, and I need, I need you in this. It's for those ones right there that I want to spend some time praying. So what I'd like you to do in your own words to him, I would like you first to just tell him, God, I'm struggling with this. Just be honest and tell him. Maybe you haven't taken the time to just say, God, I've had a little doubt creep in because I'm wondering why not? Why haven't you done this thing? Let me lead you in prayer. And as I pray, perhaps what I'm praying would be something that you would be saying or maybe praying for you or with you. I just want you to speak out to him in whatever words God gives you to speak to him. Father, we... We have problems. We live in a world full of problems and we, run, we cause them, other people do. But God, as we look at these lists, there's some of these things that we're struggling with because we wonder, God, when are you going to answer? When, why haven't you? Is it you? Are you going to come through on these things? God, we need you to intervene in these problems. Father, we're pleading with you tonight, and we, we come before you just like it says in Philippians 4, 6. I, I don't want to worry anymore. I don't want to be focusing on these and be anxious about them and up at night. God, I, I'm bringing them to you tonight, and I just ask that you would, you would intervene in each one of these things. God, I need your peace. God, we need your peace. God, we need you to guard our heart and our mind and we need you to intervene and take these over in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name tonight. God, I want to give these things to you and I want you to come in and change them in the name of Jesus.
God, I want to be able to stop thinking about that and start thinking about the good things and the things you have done. God, I'm thankful for all these things on this list that you've already dealt with. And I know you can deal with these others. And I just ask that you would do it tonight in Jesus' name.